Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Past Less Traveled. This is your host, Dan Romagno, and before we get into today's topic, I would like to remind all of you to please like, share, and follow this podcast if you want to hear more. I would also like to shout out my good friend John, who revamped the intro and outro music for this podcast, which you will be hearing shortly. A little fun fact about the melody I use, it is actually the first song in recorded history. The tune is called Hurrian Hymn Number no. 6, and is believed by historians to have been written circa 1400 BCE by the ancient Sumerians in cuneiform. Today we will be discussing one of the most profound leaders of the American Revolution, a Harvard-educated man who began his career as a lawyer, intelligent, patriotic, opinionated, and considered by most to be rather prickly. This founding father became a critic of Great Britain's authority in colonial America and viewed the British imposition of high taxes and tariffs as a tool of oppression. During the 1770s, he was a delegate to the Continental Congress, and in 1780s, he went on to serve as a diplomat in Europe and helped negotiate the Treaty of Paris in 1783, which officially ended the American Revolutionary War. From 1789, to 1797, he was America's first vice president. He then served a term as the nation's second president. His letters to his wife left behind a vivid portrait of his time among the founding fathers. This is the man who, above all else, continuously stood up for what was right. And this is his story of adversity, bloodshed, and love. This is the story of John Adams. I thought this topic would be a really fun one to explore with all of you. As many of you already know, Disney Plus recorded and released the live production of Hamilton recently, and that has been what everyone is talking about. I am a huge fan of musicals, and Hamilton instantly topped my list. If you haven't watched it yet, I highly recommend you do. It's a truly intriguing story filled with history and lyrically is very well told. I guarantee you will find yourself jamming out in the car to King George's intense and exciting ballads. But one thing I noticed that Hamilton only touched briefly on was John Adams. Now John Adams has a very interesting tale and played such a significant role in the founding of this nation. So let's explore. Now in order to understand the makings of any person, you must first discuss their upbringing. John Adams was born in Braintree, Massachusetts on October 30th, 1735 to the descendants of Mayflower Pilgrims. John Adams was the eldest son of John and Susanna Boylston Adams. The elder Adams was a farmer and a shoemaker who also served as a congressionalist deacon and an official in the local government. A strong student, Adams graduated from Harvard College in 1755. He then taught school for several years and studied law with an attorney in Worcester, Massachusetts. Adams began his law career in 1758 and eventually became one of Boston's most prominent attorneys. In 1764, he married his lifelong partner and confidant, Abigail Smith, a minister's daughter from Weymouth, Massachusetts, with whom he went on to have six children with, only four of them surviving into adulthood. Abigail Adams would prove to be her husband's most trusted adversary. She was well-read and possessed many of her own intellectual gifts. She corresponded regularly with Adams, especially when he was away in Europe for long periods of time. Surviving letters show her to be a pragmatic thinker and extremely influential in her husband's career. During the 1760s, Adams began to challenge Great Britain's authority in colonial America. He came to view the British imposition of high taxes and tariffs as a tool of oppression. 
and he no longer believed that the government in England had the colonists' best interest in mind. He was a critic of the Stamp Act in 1765, in which the British levied tax on legal documents, newspapers, and playing cards in the North American colonies. Adams also spoke out about the Townsend Act of 1767, which levied tariffs on goods such as paper, glass, and tea that were imported to America. Despite this objection to what he thought was unfair taxation by the British, Adams, a principled man, represented the British soldiers accused of murder in the Boston Massacre of March 1770. Adams wanted to ensure that the soldiers, who were charged with firing into an unruly crowd of civilians in Boston and killing five people, received a fair trial. Tensions ran high in Boston in early 1770. More than 2,000 British infantry occupied the city of 16,000 colonists and tried to enforce Britain's tax laws. American colonists rebelled against the taxes they found repressive, rallying around the cry, no taxation without representation. Skirmishes between the colonists and soldiers were increasingly common at this time. To protest taxes, patriots often vandalized stores selling British goods and intimidated store merchants and their customers. On the frigid, snowy evening of March 5, 1770, Private Hugh White was the only soldier guarding the King's money stored inside the Customs House on King Street. It wasn't long before angry colonists joined him and insulted him and threatened violence. The violence escalated, and the colonists struck the soldiers with clubs and sticks. Reports differ on exactly what happened next, but after someone supposedly shouted the word, fire, a soldier fired his gun, although it's unclear if the discharge was intentional. Once the first shot rang out, the soldiers opened fire, killing five colonists, including Crispus Attox, a local dock worker of mixed racial heritage, and wounding six. Among the other casualties of Boston Massacre was Samuel Gray, a rope maker who was left with a hole the size of a fist in his head. Sailor James Caldwell was hit twice before dying, and Samuel Maverick and Patrick Carr were mortally wounded. Within hours, General Preston and his soldiers were arrested and jailed, and the propaganda machine was in full force on both sides of the conflict. Preston wrote his version of the events from his jail cell for publication, while Sons of Liberty leaders such as John Hancock and Samuel Adams incited colonists to keep fighting the British. It took seven months to arraign Preston and the other soldiers involved in the Boston Massacre and bring them to trial. John Adams was selected to defend the British troops. Adams was no fan of the British, but wanted Preston and his men to receive a fair trial. This really put Adams on the map and played a major role in Adams reaching the political heights that he did. Adams was able to put his disdain for the British aside to provide them with fair representation, something the American colonists yearned for from the British Empire. In 1774, Adams attended the first Continental Congress in Philadelphia as a Massachusetts delegate. The Continental Congress served as the government of the 13 American colonies and later the United States from 1774 to 1789. In 1775, as a delegate to the Second Continental Congress, Adams nominated George Washington to serve as commander of the colonial forces in the American Revolutionary War, which had just begun. As a congressional delegate, Adams would later nominate Thomas Jefferson to draft the Declaration of Independence, which Adams would go on to sign along his second cousin, Samuel Adams. In 1778, Adams was sent to Paris, France to secure aid for the colonists' cause, 
The following year, he returned to America and worked as the principal farmer in the Massachusetts Constitution. By the early 1780s, Adams was in Europe again, serving in a diplomatic capacity. In 1783, he, along with John Jay and Benjamin Franklin, helped negotiate the Treaty of Paris, which officially ended hostilities between America and Britain. Franklin had served as the American minister to France since 1776. And while Adams often felt that he worked harder than Franklin, it was the older man's charm that opened diplomatic doors for his blunter, more combative colleague, Adams. Adams remained in Europe after the war and served as the United States' first ambassador to Britain from 1785 to 1788. After returning to America, he was a participant in the Constitutional Convention that nominated Washington to serve as the nation's first president. Adams lobbied for the vice presidency and won. Although Washington and Adams shared many political views, the vice president's role seemed primarily ceremonial, and Adams spent the next eight years, from 1789 to 1797, in frustration. Adams once remarked, My country has, in its wisdom, contrived for me the most insignificant office that ever the invention of man contrived or his imagination conceived. When Washington retired in 1796, Adams ran for presidency and won over Thomas Jefferson, who became vice president. Adams took office in March of 1797, and his presidency was quickly taken up with foreign affairs. Britain and France were at war, which directly affected American trade. During his tenure, Washington had managed to maintain neutrality, but tensions had escalated by the time Adams became president. In 1797, he sent a delegation to France to negotiate a treaty, but the French refused to meet with his delegates, and the French foreign minister, Charles Maurice de Talleyrand Perigord, demanded a large bribe. Adams refused to deal with the French on these terms, and the bribery scandal, which became known as the XYZ affair, boosted Adams' popularity immensely. An undeclared naval war broke out between the U.S. and France in 1798 and lasted until about 1800, when a peace treaty was signed. Adams soon squandered his popularity by signing the Alien and Sedition Acts into law in 1798. Seemingly written to protect American interests, the acts gave the government broad powers to deport enemy aliens and arrest anyone who strongly disagreed with the government. Jefferson and his allies, who called themselves the Democratic Republicans, assailed these laws, declaring them unconstitutional. Many Americans, having shed one oppressive government, feared that their new government might resort to similar tactics. Although the laws were never abused and, in fact, had built-in expirations, they hurt Adams and helped cost him the election in 1800. After his presidency, Adams had a long and productive retirement. He and his wife lived in Quincy, Massachusetts, and the former president spent the next quarter century writing columns, books, and letters. In 1812, he was encouraged to begin exchanging letters with his old rival Thomas Jefferson, and their multitude of correspondence lasted the rest of their lives. Abigail Adams died in 1818, and John Adams lived long enough to see his son, John Quincy Adams, become America's sixth president in 1824. By that point, the elder Adams and Jefferson were among the last living signers of the Declaration of Independence. On July 4, 1826, the Declaration's 50th anniversary, the 90-year-old founding father uttered his last words, Thomas Jefferson still survives. He died later that day. What Adams did not know 
was that earlier that morning in Monticello, Jefferson too had passed away. Well, there you have it. I hope you all enjoyed learning about our founding father, John Adams. And as always, please like, follow, and share this podcast. I'm having a lot of fun making it, and it's really enjoyable being creative and talking about something I love. Thank you all for tuning in this week, and I hope to have you all back next weekend for a whole new episode of The Past Less Traveled. (laughs) 